Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. So we're so excited for today's uh, illustrated sermon. It's something that our team is, has, has put a lot in, our creative team, our production team, and, and uh, they're excited to share this with you today. I'm going to ask you to uh, grab your Bibles and go to your feet uh, with me. We believe in standing for the reading of God's Word. And um, I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Revelations. It's not a, a white culture, black culture, Hispanic culture, Asian culture. It's a Bible culture to stand for the reading of the word. Amen. Amen. And uh, the book of Revelations, chapter 20. And I'm just going to read a few verses to you, starting at verse 4. Uh, it says, I saw thrones, and they that sat on them uh, in judgment was committed to them. And this verse is very important. It says, then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. This illustrated sermon today is dealing with the last days. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? And uh, you don't have to look very hard uh, to see all the things that are happening, not just in our nation, but within the world. What we went through with the pandemic, what we went through uh, with um, the the challenges and the discords and the difficulties that we've been facing as a, a people on the planet. Uh, it's, 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 it's not hard to, to see the signs of the times and realize Jesus is coming. But he says, I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God. I just want to draw a distinction there because there's a lot of people who say they love Jesus, but they don't love his word. There's a lot of people saying, no, no, I love Jesus, but they don't believe the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God as it relates to marriage, the truth of the Word of God as it relates to gender, the truth of the Word of God as it relates to so many aspects of our life. They say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, Jesus, but they don't believe His Word. It's not enough just to say you believe in Jesus. Do you believe His Word? And these were people that gave their life because they didn't just say they loved Jesus, but they loved his word. Do you love his word? Come on, you love his word. And who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark, the mark of the beast, on their foreheads or on their hands. People who receive the mark of the beast, they'll receive it. It'll, it'll be on your, your hand, the palm of your hand, or on your forehead. And the Bible says you will not be able to buy or sell. You won't be able to buy or sell. We, it's not hard to see we're, we're, we're very quickly approaching a completely cashless society, a one-world government, a one-world entity, a one-world. And uh, we all saw through the pandemic how they could quickly take away your ability to buy, to sell, to do things. And so we're living in the last days. And these were people who did not receive his mark on their forehead or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Father, I thank you for your word. Anoint this illustrated sermon today. Lord, I pray that it would touch hearts and lives. It's not meant to, to scare us. It's not meant to, to, to cause uh, fear, but it is meant to shake us, to wake us up, to stir us, 
to make us aware of the reality of, of what is to come and your second coming. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, give him praise one more time. I love you. You can be seated. Today, we're going to be dealing with that idea of the unmarked. Everybody say the unmarked. The unmarked. And what life will be like if you miss the rapture. You know, I, I tell people, if you miss the rapture, you've, you've missed it all. You've missed it all. And, and you don't want to miss the coming of Jesus. You don't want to miss the rapture. And I, I refuse to be a pastor that, that uh, won't tell you the truth. A lot, of, a lot of people won't tell you the truth. And, uh, but I, 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 I respect God and honor God enough. And I want to coach and teach the people the truth of the word of God. And Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming soon. And so we're going to dive into this, um, this, this topic today, the unmarked, and what life will be like if you miss the rapture. And I want you to lean in today. Let your heart be moldable. Some people come to things like this, and their heart is just walled off. They're just, you know, this is, nobody's talking to me. Nobody's teaching me. I, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to anything anybody has to say. But, but I, I'm going to ask today that, that you just let your heart be open to receive the truth of God's word. And let's dive into this illustrated sermon, The Last Days. I don't know the exact date of today. I think it's been maybe five years since that day. What we saw today was more of the same. 
destruction, abandoned buildings. What the world used to be has been forgotten. There are a lot of words for it. The word I use is hopeless. It happened in an instant. It wasn't like this took place after a season or a slow build. Life was business as usual. Then, in a single day in history, everything changed. Everything. Everybody lost someone. I think that's what showed our true nature. Loss. Heartache. It was only a matter of time before everything fell apart. It was only a matter of time before the worst of humanity showed its face. Atrocities like I had never seen before. So we did what people who have no control over what is happening always do. We tried to control it. Then there were those who promised peace and safety. And for a time, that's what we got. But what seemed to be the solution ended up being a band-aid, masking the infection that was destroying everything underneath. If someone had told me that this is what the world would be like before that day, I wouldn't have believed them. Every day I hope to wake up from this nightmare. I'm holding on to anything from before that day, when there was hope. But hope is gone now. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 16 through 18. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everybody say caught up. That word caught up is a, uh, in its original uh, meaning, uh, translated into Latin is rapturos. Uh, which is where we get the word rapture. If you've ever heard of the word rapture, this is what it's talking about. It's talking about a, a, a catching up. It literally means to be moved from one place to another place, that you're, at one moment you're here, and then in a moment you're, you're somewhere else. Hey, I just wanna take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you, it's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. And if you look up the meaning of that word, that's exactly what you'll find, to be taken from one place to another. And it says that we will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There we will forever be with the Lord. And I want you to know that the rapture is a real event that's going to happen and that heaven is a real place. And quicker, the Bible says, than a blink, quicker than a twinkle of an eye, that the Lord is going to come back and all those that are looking, all those that are looking and awaiting for him, to him shall he appear. And then verse 18 in this text, I love it. It says, therefore, comfort one another with these words, to encourage one another with these words. The purpose of us talking about end times and the rapture and the last days is to encourage 
each and every person under the sound of my voice that Jesus loves them and that Jesus is coming again. It's not to intimidate you. It's not to cause fear. It's not to bring nightmares. You know, when I grew up, uh, you know, I was terrified, you know, at eight or 10, you know, it was, uh, some people watch left behind, uh, before that it was, um, uh, what was the name of that? The thief in the night, thief in the night. And, uh, man, I was like, Lord, I'm gonna miss the rapture. I was 10 years old and my parents would go. I couldn't get a hold of them. They didn't have cell phones back then. I thought I missed it. I'm gonna have to go through the tribulation. I know I'd have messed up, you know? And, uh, and, and, and it's funny is that, that, that sounds and, and that we can kind of giggle at. Uh, it did something for me as a young man to, to grow up looking for the Lord to come back. And I've just, my whole life from those moments till now, I'm still waiting and looking for that. You know, the Bible says to those that are looking, to those that are awaiting to him, to them shall he appear. And when Paul writes this, the Apostle Paul writes this and he uses this term rapturos. Everyone that he was talking to knew exactly what this meant. Because if you lived in Bible days and you lived in a city, that city typically had a wall. And on that wall, there were watchmen. And it was the job of those watchmen to look out and to see if the king was coming. And if the king was coming to catch up everybody, to rapturos everybody, to move to the, the center of the gate and open the gate and the king would come in and they would celebrate that. So everybody would know what the apostle Paul was speaking about here. And the watchmen that were on the wall were to watch and to look for the signs of the times, to look to see if the king is coming. You know, we are to be watchmen, especially as, as fathers and as leaders of our home. We're there to be watchmen. You know, are we doing the things? Are we being the men that God has called us to be? Am I being the father that God's called me to be? Am I being the husband that God has called me to be? Am I, am I watching for the coming of Jesus and making sure that my family will be ready to meet the Lord? You know, this topic of Jesus coming again is not some side topic in the Bible. One out of every 30 verses in your Bible deal with the soon return of Jesus Christ. When it comes to end times, 216 chapters in the New Testament alone speak to the coming of Jesus Christ. Over 300 references in the New Testament concerning the return of Jesus Christ. 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament deal with this subject of the return of Jesus Christ. This is not a side subject, guys. This is not something that's peripheral, some little thing that was maybe mentioned once in a while. Jesus talked about this so much that his disciples picked up on it and they kept asking Jesus, Jesus, when is this happening? Jesus, when is, is the end of the age? Jesus, when are these things gonna happen? He says, I don't even know when they're gonna happen. Only the Father knows and he will tell us when the Son shall return. The Apostle Paul is laying on his deathbed and he pens these words and he says at the end of his life, I have finished the race that God has set before me. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I wanna just say to you today that faith is gonna be a fight. If you're gonna keep the faith in this day and age, if you're gonna stand up for truth, if you're gonna live in the current world that we're living in and not bend to the whims and the feelings of society, you're gonna to have to fight for your faith. The apostle Paul fought for his faith. 
He says on his deathbed, and he's pinning these words, he says, I kept the faith. I didn't bend. I didn't compromise. I didn't give in when pressure came and, 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 and the pressure to yield. I didn't, I didn't do it. I can lay here and get ready to meet the Lord and say, I kept the faith. If you're going to fight, if you're going to keep your faith, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to stand up for truth, to stand up for righteousness. And then he says, I will receive the crown of righteousness that the Lord has laid up for me because I longed for his appearing. And then he speaks to the church and says to the church, you should do likewise. Well, you may ask, Pastor, how do I fight the good fight of faith? How do I finish the course? Well, we do what Paul did. We long for his appearing. Paul says the same way that I did, you can do. If you're looking for him, you too shall receive the crown of righteousness that is laid up for you. And as we continue to look at these stories of this couple, as we continue to dive further in to this story, I want you to lean in, open up your heart as we continue in the next chapter of this story, the last days. Looking around today, I don't think I'll ever get used to how different things are now. We are someplace outside Chicago and still haven't seen any other survivors since Indianapolis. It's getting more and more rare to see the unmarked. Sarah is having trouble making the journey. She's so tired. The last we heard there was a hospital in the area. Maybe there will be some supplies or medicine. The whole world has gone to hell like someone snapped their finger and chaos took control. I'm struggling to find purpose, to find a reason to keep going, but I know Sarah needs me. It's been six years since I've seen you, and every day is as hard as the last. I'm holding on to a hope that we'll be together again someday, that I can hold you again, even if it's just once. I'll never forget that day. Memories are so strange. They're good and they're bad. They're good because they're all I have of you. But they're bad because I miss you. That day started off like any other day. What I would give to hear your voice, to see your smile and hear you laugh again. My favorite thing was making you laugh. I would literally do anything to make you laugh. After lunch, we wanted to make paper airplanes. We watched so many YouTube videos. We got the best paper and probably made hundreds of paper airplanes. And then came the fun part, when we would test them. You ran outside. I chased you. But when I walked out, you weren't there. You were gone vanished. All I saw was a paper airplane. Immediately, I felt a pit in my stomach. I knew something was wrong. We searched everywhere. We checked the house, every room, every inch, every hiding place. Anywhere we could think, I started to feel and hear my own heartbeat in my ears. 
like I was walking through a dream, a nightmare. We ran up and down the streets, looking for anything, any sign of where you might have gone. My head was spinning. Mommy kept looking at me for reassurance, asking me for answers. I didn't have any. It felt like my heart was jumping out of my chest, a lump in my throat, as I kept shouting for you. But all of the shouting in the world was only answered with the sound of distant chaos. The world felt like glass, the sounds of car crashes in the distance. People were screaming names of loved ones. Hopelessness filled the air. On that day, the only sound was the sound of despair. Everyone lost someone, but saying that doesn't make it easier. I relived that day over and over again, and time hasn't helped. It hasn't taken away the feeling of my heart being ripped out of my chest every time I think about you. The hardest part is remembering the good times. You are my heart and my soul, and in an instant, without warning, on that day, you were taken from me. This feeling is death, because a part of me died that day. I want to see you again. I want to hear you laugh again. I want to hold your hand. There's a lot of people that were left behind on that day. I wish we could switch this life with the life we lost. I wish we could bring back the people we love. I wish we could make a deal with God. A lot of people, when it comes to this subject of end times, have a lot of questions. They have a lot of unanswered concerns. And they want to know, what does all this mean? What, what do I do with this information? Well, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times spoke to us in times past, spoke to our fathers through prophets, that in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. These last days, in these last days. You know, just the word these is a, a, a demonstrative word, which is different from those. If I said those chairs across town are further than these chairs in Maple Grove, these means closer. These last days is a reference that these days are literally upon us and that we ought to be aware of how close we are to them. The book of Matthew 24, Jesus speaks to us and he says, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall be these things? They're asking again, what shall be the signs of your coming? And when is the end of the world? So they have the same questions that many of you have. What are the signs? How will we know that you're coming? What, what, what are we to look for? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed unto yourself. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
You can't turn on the news today without hearing about a war or a rumor of a war. And then he says, these things must be, and he says, do not be troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He says, you're gonna hear about these things. They've gotta happen, but the end is not yet. Verse seven, then he says, for nation shall rise against nation. Depending on the translation you're listening to, it says ethnos against ethnos. That one of the signs of the last days is that ethnicities will begin to rise up against ethnicities. And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. He says, uh, then they will deliver Uh, you up to be afflicted. Many people will be killed. They'll be hated of all nations for my sake. He says, you're going to be hated on many nations for my name. In verse 10, he says, and then many shall be offended. One of the signs of the last days is that many people will be offended. Many people, even within the church, will be living in offense. Some of you are offended because I'm talking about offense. But that's one of the signs of the last days. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus speaking in the New Testament about what to look for before he comes. He says one of the big things to look for is that many people within the church will be offended, easily offended, and shall betray one another, even get to the point where they will hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. There's a lot of people out there preaching that the rapture is not even real. The second coming of Jesus is not even real. You, you can do whatever you want. Love is love. And, 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 and they do it from pulpits, in churches, false doctrine. And he says, because of iniquity, because iniquity shall abound. Iniquity, lawlessness. Depending on the translation you're reading, one of the signs of the end times is lawlessness. There'll be no laws, uh, no governance. Uh, iniquity will increase. Iniquity is, is, is like not just the sin, but it's the root of the sin. It's the thing that's in us. That's why as believers, you've got to go to God and say, God, if there be anything in me, iniquity, take it out of me, purify my heart, wash me, purify me. I don't want the enemy to have anything in my life that could cause me to miss Jesus. There's nothing in this world that that is worth you missing Jesus. Nothing in this world. What good is it, the Bible says, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? He says, because of iniquity, the love of many, the love of many what? The love of many Christians shall wax cold. This is Jesus speaking in the New Testament to his disciples about things to look for in the last days. It's like you have a candle and and the wax around the candle's hot. You could pour it, right? But the flame goes out and the wax slowly begins to harden. He says one of the signs of the last days is you're going to see people whose heart once burned for me. They, They used to pray. They used to read the word. They used to love God's house. They used to serve. They used to give. They used to, they used to, to love me. They had a passion and a heart for me. You're going to see many of them start to wax cold. And it's like the flame has gone out. And you can, you can look at the stats yourself. People, people all over the world, you know, have, have, have stopped 
going to church. Many people have stopped praying, stopped seeking God, stopped serving God. Now let's go to church now once every two, three months. Thousands, tens of thousands of churches in America have closed their doors within the last 24 months. 1,500 pastors every 30 days in America are walking away from the ministry. The love of many begins to wax cold. It's not, it's not a quick thing. It's not a one day. It's a slow process. Little by little, little by little, little by little. And then he gives us a few things to watch for, which I want you to write down. Jesus says, when you see this in verse four, he says to take heed unto yourself. Everybody say that with me. Take heed unto yourself. He says, when you see the clashes of the world, when you see the government fighting, when you see parties against parties, nations against nations, ethnicities against ethnicities, he says, do not focus on those things. Do not let that grab your attention. He says, take heed to yourself. Don't look outward. Look inward. Many people in the last days, when they see these things happening, they begin to look outward. And your heart, your, your focus, your attention, your zeal is consumed with outward things. Jesus says, when you see these things happen, do not look outward, look inward. You need to ask yourself, how's my prayer life? How's my walk with Jesus? How's my time in reading the word of God? Where's my heart with the Lord? Am I closer to Jesus this year than I was last year? Is my marriage closer to Jesus this year than it was last year? Are my children closer to Jesus this year than they were last year? Am I involved in all these things in the world and I'm going to lose my own children? Lose my own soul? Jesus says, when you see these things, take heed unto yourself. Look in, look in, look in. Hear my words, church. Because the world is telling you to look out. And Jesus is telling you to look in. When man looks at the outward appearance, God looketh at the heart. The heart. Verse 6, Jesus says, another thing to do is do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. Do not get into fights. Don't get into arguments. So many Christians are agitated. Do not be agitated. Do not live a life of frustration. So many Christians are living a life of frustration because they're looking at the outside. They're angry at people, mad at people, frustrated at people, hate people because your heart is in the things of the world. You're looking at the things of the world, not the things of God. You think this place is your, is your life. This is not our life. This world is not our life. We don't live for this world. We're going to leave this world behind one day. Am I praying? Am I living right? You know today in your heart if you're where you need to be with Jesus or not. Am I passionate for Jesus? Don't worry more about what's going on in the world than what's going on in your heart. Do not be troubled for the things. These must come to pass. That's why the word says, what good is it if a man gained the whole world? You're so focused on the world. 
and you lose your soul because you don't look in. The love of many Christians will wax cold. Verse 13, but Jesus says, but uh, he that endures to the end, the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but unto him that endureth to the end. Jesus said, unto him that endures to the end shall be saved. And we need to get ready for this moment. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. This is talking about the rapture. He says, behold, I show you a mystery that we shall not all die, that we shall not all sleep, but many of us shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, because at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. If any of you lost a loved one and they died knowing Jesus, I'm here today to tell you that that grave is not final. We serve a God that overcame the grave. Come on, we serve a God that overcame the grave. I watch people, they don't want to shout, they don't want to celebrate. You know, we, we take 15, 20 minutes on a Sunday to sing and lift our hands and people are like, oh, you know, it don't take all that, honey, it takes all that and more. And, uh, and, and they don't want to do it. I, I look at them, I say, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Just think about it for a moment. What do you think heaven's going to be like when mamas see babies they lost? And you see children that have gone on. And you see mothers and fathers re reunited. What do you think it's going to be like when you see the saints of the ages? And your eyes behold at one moment the altogether lovely, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000. And you see Jesus. What do you think it's going to be like? I'm going to come in sliding on my stomach. I'm just going to run and slide. It's going to be a celebration like this world has never seen. Heaven is our home. And it says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. And this is what the Bible so beautifully refers to as the midnight cry.
Food is scarce. We don't really know when or what our next meal will be. It's hard to believe that the safest shelter we've found in months is an abandoned hospital. It's strange to think there was a time that we once threw away things that people literally kill each other over now. That's what has been revealed in this new reality. How ungrateful we were for the life we had. It's hard to be grateful in a time like this. Especially when I know I could get the supplies we need in an instant. I could get the medicine and the food that we need to survive. We could be safe. We could be warm. No more running. No more scavenging. All it will take is a mark. One on the head, one on the hand. I remember when we would meet other survivors and talk about what was happening in the world. At first it was easy to be righteous. It was easy to see things like, I'd never let them put a mark on my body to buy groceries, to buy gas. But over time it got harder. We started to hear the same friends who would never get a mark had surrendered to it. They were living in a warm home. They weren't running. They weren't looking for food. At times I struggled. I could fix all of our problems with a simple mark. Take the mark, get food. Take the mark, have medicine. Take the mark, survive. First Peter chapter four, verses seven through 10. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have a fervent love one for another, 
For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable one to another without grumbling. Teach that one to our kids. As each one has received a gift, you've received a gift. So minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So three things I want you to get. One is that we have to be clear-minded, understanding the season that we're in. Two, that we ought to love one another because love covers. Everybody say love covers. Love covers. Love does not expose sin. Love also does not defend sin. Love calls sin, sin, but it covers it. Jesus' blood covers our sin. He doesn't deny that we sin, but his blood covers our sin. And three, take the gifts that God has given you and use it to serve one another. You know, in these last days, we can't be focused, you know, outward. We've got to be focused on what God's doing on the inside of our heart. And when you let Jesus touch your heart, you're going to have a heart of generosity towards people. You know, as we get ready to go into vision and our our vision uh, offering on December 11th, and you see all the things that God has done in our church just within these last few years, God has been so faithful. So many people are saying, oh, the church is over and the church is this and the church is that. I'm here today to tell you the church is alive. The church is alive and stronger than ever before. Don't believe those lies. Don't buy into those lies. I can stand before you here today and give you some stats that just about our church that within the last four years, we have seen more people come to Jesus in the last four years than the 14 previous years combined. Can somebody say amen about that? That's because God is pouring out his spirit. And it's not just on Maple Grove. It's not just on Spring Lake Park. It's not just to those that are watching online. We're seeing it in nations around the world, even in China. Every day in China, 35,000 people give their life to Jesus. 35,000 under a communist regime, under a communist regime where you can be in prison or beaten or killed and be killed and have your organs sold just because you're a Christian. I've been to China. I know what it's like to, 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 to smuggle Bibles into China. I know what it's like to switch cars three times uh, and, and get to church at 2 a.m. just so you can worship the Lord in a little tiny room with a dirt floor with 1950s Christmas garland hung around and then sit on these little wooden benches and people are on their on the in the dirt, tears in the dirt, worshiping God. I'm trying to tell you that there's 1.3 out of the 1.3 billion people in China, 10%, 130 million people underground worship God every day because the church is alive. The church is alive. And it's not about being entertained. It's not about just hearing the things I want to hear. It's about people who are sold out. People who are sold out. They are persuaded to give their life to Christ. God is pouring out his spirit. And yes, darkness is on the rise. And yes, sin is on the rise. But Romans 5.20 says, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Somebody say amen, right? And these are the last days and Jesus is coming back soon. And we need to be ready for his return. So let's get our hearts ready. 
Let's check out the end of this story of this couple as we move into the final part of our illustrated sermon, These Last Days. Oh, oh, oh. 
I have been a man with no firm belief to stand upon, no solid rock to build my life. I'm not sure who I'm writing this to, maybe it's just for me, but it's been nearly seven years since that day. Seven years in a lost and hopeless world, but even in times that seem hopeless, hope can be found. Had I known what I know now, maybe I would have been able to save my wife and myself from what this world has become. Had I known what I know now, I would be with Emily. We would all be together. I may be a little late to this realization. I wish I could go back and change some things. I wish I would have taken certain things more seriously. But one thing's for certain, this time I'll be ready. I won't miss him when he comes again. I'll be waiting. I'll be ready. I've been broken. I've been beaten. I've seen the unforgettable and the unimaginable. But I won't let it shake me. I won't give up. And even if the road ahead is perilous, I'll put my trust in you. If there's darkness on the horizon, I'll put my trust in you. I will no longer be held up by my own strength this time. I've put my faith in Jesus. In this hopeless world, I have found a solid rock. I have found a firm foundation.
Just remain standing with me if you would. You know, our God can do anything except fail. Except fail. And I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what challenge, what difficulty you're facing. I don't know what problem you're facing, but I, I know the answer to that problem is Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, everything you know means nothing. It just doesn't mean anything. Our life is not this world. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. And I just feel with all my heart the Holy Spirit's in this room. And if we all have to come to the altar, at least we'll all know where we stand with Jesus. And I'm going to give you that opportunity here before we go. You know, the smartest decision I ever made in my life was to give my life to Jesus. And like the Apostle Paul said, he says, I am persuaded. And so the question I have for all of you today is, are you ready? Are you ready? If the rapture was to take place right now, are you ready? 100%. You can say, Pastor, 100%. I'm ready. If I was to die today, are you ready to meet Jesus? You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Everything to gain. And I promise you, Jesus is coming soon. If you have to bring your spouse by the hand, if the whole family comes to the altar, at least we'll all know we're ready. At least we'll all know we're ready. And I'm asking you to just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here and you just say, Pastor Jonathan, I, I need to pray this prayer with you today. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if, if you're one of the many people in this room that just say, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer today. I want to make, make sure 100%. I'm ready. I'm going to ask you to lift that hand high and unashamed. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father. And I don't want him to ever be ashamed of me. I prophesy Romans over your life right now that says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe. And then I'm going to ask you to do something that takes that step of courage. And this is the safest place that you'll ever take it. And that is to give me the opportunity to pray for you. So when I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to lift that hand high and unashamed. And then we're going to come to the altar and we're going to pray a prayer together before we go. That's one. If you're contemplating it, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what Jesus sounds like. And if you don't know Jesus, you're the most important person in this room. And everything we've done today was for you. That's two. And like I said, you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. That's three. Just slip your hand up. My Lord, look at all the hands. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. Just slip it up right now. While your hand's in the air, don't think about it. Don't look at anybody. I want you to move right out of that seat. Take that next step of faith towards Jesus and come down to this altar and let me pray a prayer with you. Come on, step out. Don't wait on anybody. Don't look at anybody. Come now. Come on, cheer them on. Cheer them on as they come. Just come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. I'm not going to miss the rapture. I'm not going to miss Jesus. I had them take a whole row of chairs out because you, to make room for you. Come on. Cheer them on like your mom is coming to the Lord. Cheer them on. Young people. 
elderly people, married people, single people. Come on, fill the altar. We're not going to miss heaven. We're not going to miss heaven. Heaven's our home. Come on, you can cheer while people are still walking. Keep, keep cheering for them. Heaven's our home. Heaven's our home. Heaven's our home. Heaven's our home. It's not a matter of how many times we fall. It's how many times we get back up. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but yet he rises again. It's not just about praying this prayer. It's about a life. It's about a journey with Jesus. It's not just about praying a prayer. It's about a journey with Jesus. Today is a new beginning. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Lord loves you. He's madly in love with you. And I tell you all the, all the time, you should live clean. You should live holy. Try to be the best Christian you could be. But at the optimum peak of your success, when you feel like, Pastor, I'm the best Christian I could be, he'll love you no more then than he loves you right now. And when you get in your car and you leave today, there's a great big windshield and a little bitty rearview mirror because where you're going is more important than where you've been. can't do anything about where you've been, but you can do something today about where you're going. And today you say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And listen to me. I'm telling you as a pastor, I'm telling you as a, as a spiritual father, I've been pastoring for 20 years. You need the church. The church is essential to your walk. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. Jesus is building the church. He says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen to me, church. Don't let your heart wax cold. People make mistakes. People fail. People let you down. You can't have your hope in people. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope's in Jesus. The church is not perfect because the church is people. The church is not perfect. But Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for the church. Just because things may not be perfect and everything's not always the way you think it ought to be, don't throw it away. Fight for your faith. Stand up for your faith. You as parents, you don't have the courage to stand up for truth. How will your children ever have the courage to stand up for truth? If you don't take a stand, how will they have the courage to take a stand? We have to fight for this. We have to make a stand for truth, stand for righteousness. Jesus is coming. I know it's, it's not easy, and I know things can get hard, and I know things can get busy, but don't let the world pull you into their hate. Pull them into your peace. Pull them into your love, your hope. Your hope is in Jesus. It's coming soon. And we're going to pray this prayer, and listen to me. Get plugged in. If it's not... It, I want to recommend a church if you don't have a church. It's Creative Church. I think it's a great church. But more importantly, find a church. Get a pastor. You need a pastor. Let yourself be pastored. A lot of people don't do that. They don't let themselves be pastored. Let yourself be pastored. Get involved in community. We need it. You can't fight this fight alone. I know you a bad somebody, but you need the body of Christ. You need the family of God. You need a family. 
Don't, don't let the enemy pull you into isolation. Get plugged in, young people in the youth group. Make it a priority. Get plugged in in college night, college students. Stand up for truth. Stand up for it. Stand, fight the fight of faith. You can do it. Fight it. Fight for truth. God's with you. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. Husbands, pray with your wives. Pray with your children. Make it a priority. Honor your parents, your grandparents. Build the relationships. Jesus is coming. Put priorities in order. Get plugged in. If you're not plugged in, come to belong. Come to our newcomers. Let us love on you. And after we pray this prayer, I'm going to have my leaders. During my prayer, I want my leaders and my ministers. I want you to go to the lobby. My wife and I will be out there. We want to, we got a few times a month, we share vision and grab coffees with people. Let us get to know you. You're not a number. You're a person with a name and a story. And your story matters to us, but more importantly, it matters to God. Write a story your children and grandchildren can be proud of. Write a story. But today, all of you who have taken this step of faith to come down here, I'm so proud of you. Can we celebrate them one more time? Let them know how proud we are of them. The Lord loves you. God's hands on your life. What's your name? Jacob. Come here, Jacob. How old are you? 19. Come up here. Come up here. I don't know you. But the Lord's hand is on Jacob. God's hand's on his life. Stretch forth your hand to Jacob. Lord, I prophesy over Jacob. God, there, your hand is on his life. God, you called him as a, at a young man, as a young age. And Lord, you're calling him back to you. And I'm reminding you of the prophecies that God spoke over your life. And I declare Romans over you that you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God's hands on your life to be a leader and a world changer. And I break every demonic attack off of your life. And I speak joy over you. I speak peace over you. I speak blessing over you. I declare you're the head and not the tail above and not beneath. And you're a leader to this next generation. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you. God do it in his life. God do it in his life. God do it in his life. That's it. You don't, you don't see, you don't, see, this is real. This is real. The, the enemy won't tell you that, that, that young people don't love God. And if you talk about the rapture and you talk about truth, they won't, they won't listen. They, they'll walk away. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This generation is in love with the truth. This generation needs the truth. And there's many young men and women that are willing to stand up for righteousness. Can I get an Amen. Give my big God bless you. I'm proud of you. And we're going to pray. Many of you, many, 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 many young people. Look at all the young people. God, I'm so proud of you, man. So proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. All these young people. Look at all the young people. Satan does not have this generation. Satan does not have this generation. Why do we give? Why do we volunteer? Why do we serve? This is why. 
This is why. Because hell lost another one. That's why. Would you stretch forth your hand to these beautiful family members? And I'm going to dismiss my ministers and leaders to go to the lobby. And Lord, I thank you what you're doing in this room. Lord, I, I know there's people in this room that you're calling to be a part of the family, calling to be a part of, of belong, to, to be a part of the community of faith. Father, I ask that you bless the, the, the class that's available to all of them this, this, this Tuesday night at 6.30. Bless them, Lord, that they can start their discipleship with you. I bless them. I declare they're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I declare they belong to Jesus. And I thank you for what you're going to do in their life. Now let's all pray this prayer together. Say it like you mean it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. Because you live, I can live. Today, I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Teach me your ways. Let my heart burn for your church. Burn for your people. Save my whole family. Use me to win my whole family for Jesus Christ. That none of my family would miss you. Let me put you first in every area of my life. And I give you thanks for the gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Now look at me, all of you that came down. We have a class every Tuesday and we'll give you, give it to me real quick before we go, that box we want to give you. You can come to it. We'll, we'll give you this 40-day kit. We want to give you this kit, your book, and we got a Bible, a leather, orange leather, the only one you're going to find, an orange leather Bible that we want to give you. It's at 6.30. It's only one hour. If you want to come, it's right here. We want to give you your 40-day calendar. This is your devotional for your first 40 days. We want to give you your Bible, everything you need in here for your first 40 days in walking with Jesus. About $50 value. We want to give it to you if you'll come to the class and let us help you in your journey with Jesus. It's available. Anybody who wants to come, we do it every, every Tuesday at 6.30. And if you're visiting, I want to give everybody my book. You can get it in the lobby on your way out. I'm so proud. Can we give the cast, our production team, everybody who did this a big God bless you? My Lord, some talented people. Amen. You don't realize how bad you can't sing till you hear somebody who can really sing. Father, bless the body of Christ. Meet every need in their life. Watch over them, protect them. Watch over their homes, their marriages, their children. Watch over their careers, their finances, their health. And Father, let everything they put their hand to prosper. Bless this Wednesday night youth. Father, bless college night. And I prophesy every Sunday people will give their life to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, God bless you. I love you, creative. God bless you. God be with you. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people 
in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.